Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. And welcome to Newsmax Daily for Thursday, 5-25-2023. It's the 145th day of the year and National Wine Day. I share your enthusiasm of already wanting to drink a glass, but today is more about celebrating the beverage itself and the art of making wine rather than the act of drinking it, like National Drink Wine Day, which is back in February. But don't let that stop you from indulging in a glass or two of your favorite vino later today, or maybe right now while you're listening. National Wine Day also encourages us to visit and support a nearby winery. Perhaps put that on your weekend agenda. May 25th is also National Tap Dance Day. Long gone are the days of Fred Astaire and Bojangles Robinson, even the great Gregory Hines, who may come to mind passed away nearly 20 years ago, if you can believe that. But there are still tappers out there keeping it alive. Tap Dance Day was lobbied for by the tap community back in the 80s and signed into law in 1987 by then-President George H.W. Bush. Fast forward to yesterday. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had planned on making a high-tech splash with his announcement on Twitter, but technical issues led to the campaign having to release that video announcement instead. Elon Musk said so many people were tuned in that it was crashing the servers. Just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. Not good for Ronnie D, who's being ridiculed today. Not good for Twitter either. But after all that, and everything was squared away. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. We must restore sanity to our nation. This means embracing fiscal and economic sanity. Stop pricing hardworking Americans out of a good standard of living through inflationary borrow print and spending policies. And please embrace American energy independence. This also means Replacing the woke mind virus with reality, facts, and enduring principles. Merit must trump identity politics. The woke-minded virus. That's how wokeness should always be referred to from now on. The woke mind virus. DeSantis also using the word Trump several times, as you heard right there, but never actually mentioned President Trump, at least by name. Governing is not about building a brand or, or, or talking on social media and virtue signaling. It's ultimately about winning 
and about producing results. The Trump campaign labeling the DeSantis launch as, quote, Ron's disaster. President Biden on Twitter, or the person that runs his Twitter, tweeting a link to his fundraising campaign with the caption, this link works. DeSantis said the amount of listeners was an example of the enthusiasm around his campaign. We get more from Rob Schmidt tonight, who spoke with the strategic communications director of the DeSantis Never Back Down Pack. Uh, you know, as, as you try and do this, you're going to talk to millions and millions of people uh, that like both Ron DeSantis and like former President Donald Trump as well. And I think that's where it gets really tricky, as any primary is. How do you distinguish your candidate from former President Trump without turning off the massive Trump base that you will need? I think that's the trickiest part is going up against former President Trump and not pissing off his huge base. <clears throat> sure. Well, Donald Trump was a good president. And I was proud to work uh, hard to elect him in 2020. I voted for him twice. But Ron DeSantis is the future. And the thing that I love about Governor DeSantis is how he gets the job done in Florida and how, um, you know, whether it's taking on the woke companies, their their ESG movement, their DEI movement, Mm -hmm. tackling critical race theory in the schools that are being that's being pushed on our children, um, banning the sexualization of children that's being pushed by the by the woke left. Um, he's just done such a fantastic job taking the fight to the left on those cultural issues that are the most important thing happening in our country right now. And so that's why I'm, you, uh, I'm proud to support him. Do, do you expect that, that DeSantis is not going to swing back? We, we know Trump's going to swing. He's already started swinging and he's going to swing hard. How do you guys count? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we'll we'll uh, certainly follow Governor DeSantis's lead on that. I'm sure he will be highlighting the contrast that exists um, between um, he and the former president yeah. and what he was able to accomplish in Florida and how he could yeah. finish the job and apply so many of those things to for the for the country. But um, but I think when when you when you look at these candidates, sure. the the fact of the matter is President Trump has spent more money attacking Governor DeSantis this year than he did supporting Republicans in the in the 2022 midterms last year. And so this is clearly a day that uh, Donald Trump sought to stop from happening. But uh, Governor DeSantis is now declared as a, as a candidate. And so um, we're glad to have him in the race and we look forward to a spirited, spirited battle. It's going to be that. It's going to be very interesting. And we thank you so much for coming on, Matt. We appreciate it. Rob Schmidt, host of Rob Schmidt Tonight with Matt Walking, Strategic Communications Director for Never Back Down, a political action committee for Ron DeSantis. And spirited, it will be for sure. Although DeSantis sometimes looks unassuming and small, keep in mind he joined the Navy after Harvard when he could have easily gotten a high-paying law firm job. He was then promoted to lieutenant, served as legal advisor to SEAL Team 1, was stationed at Joint Task Force Guantanamo, and then deployed to Iraq in 2007, where he was in active combat duty. The guy is a fighter, a real fighter, as is President Trump. Former governor and Republican presidential candidate Mike Huckabee with more on that. Yeah, Mike, the same question that I asked to the the, uh, um, the last guest we had, um, how how does Ron DeSantis differentiate himself from Donald Trump? How does he push away from Donald Trump and maybe fight back? He's going to have to do that 
without angering that huge base that Trump has? How do you welcome them in? You know, I, I just don't understand how you do that. Yeah, Rob, I think the smart play for Ron DeSantis and his supporters is to not engage in the battle. Number one, Donald Trump likes it more. Number two, he's better at it. And let me just tell you, I watched, I was on that stage in 2016. We all knew each other. And a lot of these guys were my friends. And I'd watch one after another say, I'm going to take Trump down. Three days later, they were in the dirt and Trump was rising in the polls. One of the lessons I learned, I, I learned I wasn't going to beat him. Uh, but the other lesson was that uh, if you attack him, you will live to regret it and live to regret it pretty quickly, as all of those guys did. So I would tell DeSantis, uh, run your race, do your thing, get your message out, uh, but don't engage Donald Trump. He's a better fighter than anybody else on the political scene right now. So there you go. Mike Huckabee on Rob Schmidt tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. The end game for Ronnie D and for Donald Trump, of course, is to win the Republican nomination for president. But the end game for all Republicans has to be to win the general election. So let's circle back to President Biden. Reminds me of circle back Jen Psaki. Anyway, back to Joe Biden with Newsmax's man on the street, Mike Carter. If reelected, Biden would be 82 years young at the start of his second term. According to a new Harvard-Harris poll, 57% of Americans already doubt Biden's mental fitness, while 65% say he's just too old. Well, look. But if age is just a number, does it really matter? <laughs> is Joe Biden just too old? Yeah, way too old and forgetful. He's got bigger problems than his age. Anyway. Just tell by his, uh, just by the way he walks, the way he talks. He's forgetful on things he says and he misspeaks a whole lot. Repeat the line. Seems like his, his own base is turning on him. I just don't get the impression that he is really in charge. Who's really running this White House right now? I don't know. The problem is that he's probably like a puppet for another institution more so than that he like has blatant dementia. If he surrounds himself with good people and he goes to those people, I think it'd be okay. People are dying to come into our country and that's our leadership. It's really sad. I think there should be an age limit on who runs. 82 is very old. Let the millennials do it. Why not? I'd rather change age limits on voting, man. Just make it nobody under the age of 30. That'll solve a lot of problems. In New York for Newsmax, I'm Mike Carter. A lot of interesting comments there from New Yorkers, including the guy who said he thinks Biden may have bigger issues to worry about than his age. Not sure if he meant legal issues or what he was inferring there, but Eric Bowling spoke with Congressman James Comer, chair of the House Oversight Committee, investigating the Biden's finances and potential influence peddling. I know you guys are, you know, really going at it and investigating and, and, and subpoenaing, subpoenaing documents and such. I really want to phone, phone, uh, hone in on Christopher Wray. Is he going to testify? Is he going to turn over the whistleblowers and the documents you're looking for? Well, I subpoenaed those documents. And as you know, we've had two meetings with surrogates of Christopher Wray. Both meetings, quite frankly, were very patronizing. Uh, they explained all the reasons to the world why, A, uh, we didn't need to worry about that, and B, to trust them in case, you know, if there was something wrong, they would they would handle it. Uh, the, neither answers were satisfactory to us. So uh, because he's disrespected the subpoena, uh, I notified him just a few minutes ago that uh, if we don't get those Form 1023s, 
as well as uh, an answer as to whether or not the FBI investigated these claims, then Christopher Wray would be held in contempt of Congress. So will you do that, in fact, hold him in contempt? I mean, you know, honestly, uh, Congressman, Chairman, um, a lot of people are saying, well, okay, we see a lot of, of legal maneuvering, but no one's really being held accountable. Will you yeah. hold Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress? Because you can't do that. You can, you can get into serious trouble if you ignore a, a federal subpoena. Go ahead. Absolutely. He, he will be made an example of if he doesn't comply with our simple request. And remember, we're not requesting anything classified. We've also requested uh, what exactly Joe Biden had from a classified document standpoint. And, of course, their answer is those documents are classified. The Form 1023 is not classified. Not only do we want the Form 1023 or 1023s, we want to know exactly what the FBI determined uh, with respect to whether these claims were valid. And the reason we're concerned about these allegations is because this fits a pattern that we're seeing in countries all around the world. We had a press conference a week and a half ago, and we uh, displayed what we found in Romania. Uh, while Joe Biden was vice president, he visited Romania, talked about Romanian foreign policy, uh, talked about Romanian foreign aid. And two weeks later, his family start getting payments from Romanian foreign nationals. So there's a pattern here. We, that we agree. Congressman, we, we agree. We agree. And we and I am personally thrilled that, that you're going but no, at them. But the, no one's above the law. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Americans who watch hear a lot of, you know, we're going to go and we're going to investigate and we're going to subpoena but they rarely, if ever, see a perp walk. Now, if there's ever a case to, to have a perp walk, it might be this guy if he's hiding evidence that would implicate the seated president of the United States, if, it, if there is a, a, a link. Indeed, Eric, indeed. Eric Bowling, host of The Balance, weeknights at 8 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. And it's not just a Republican thing or a Democrat thing, but Democrats say the same things about Republicans and about Trump. It's a Washington thing. People are rarely held accountable in the swamp. There's so much hypocrisy and so much time and money wasted while all of us are just working practically every day trying to survive. It's the big Washington machine. And for the third straight day, President Biden has nothing on his calendar. Speaking of working, has nothing on his calendar outside of his daily briefing and then some words in the Rose Garden where he's announcing his intent to nominate General Charles Q. Brown Jr. as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Brown Jr. is a 61-year-old United States Air Force four-star general currently serving as the Chief of Staff of the Air Force and has served since 1985. Some progress is reportedly being made in negotiations between the White House and Republicans on a bill to raise the debt ceiling. Republican negotiators meeting with Biden's team uh, again yesterday. Speaker McCarthy telling reporters he believes an agreement will be made ahead of the early June deadline, which is obviously fast approaching. In other news, the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1996. The Cats knocking off the Carolina Hurricanes 4-3 last night and sweeping the Eastern Conference Finals. So congratulations to them and their fans who have been waiting a long, long time for this kind of return to glory. And if you are a hockey fan or any sports fan, think about this. 
The uh, Carolina Hurricanes had the second best regular season record in the NHL, swept in four games. Boston had the best record in the NHL, a historic season, and they were ousted by Florida as well, who will play either the Las Vegas Golden Knights or the Dallas Stars. Oh, by the way, Florida was the very, very last team to squeeze into the playoffs literally on the last day of the season. Meanwhile, game four of the Stars in Vegas is tonight. Vegas holding a three-game lead after blowing out Dallas earlier this week when, yes, I said Dallas would be a good bet. Okay, I'm not going to hide from that. In the NBA, the Miami Heat look to close out Boston, return to the finals. Miami or Boston will face Denver, who is in the finals for the very first time ever. And don't forget, Newsmax is available on most major cable systems like AT&T, Comcast, Direct TV, Cox Cable, Spectrum, and many others, Xfinity, and it is available on most major platforms like Amazon, Roku, Zumo, and others, and make sure you get the Newsmax app on your smartphone so you can watch your favorite shows anywhere, anytime. Thank you for listening to the Newsmax Daily Podcast. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your day or night. We'll see you right back here tomorrow, and in the meantime, keep fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.